So we, we have been, I don't know about you guys, uh, we've been celebrating Advent. I, I enjoy it. I, I, I like that. I like the candles, the readings. I like the opportunity to, to stop and take a step back. Uh, I, we should do this all the time, but we don't. And just reflect and just remember Jesus. Remember what Jesus did for us. I was thinking this morning, you know, we think of the sacrifice of Christ on the cross for us. And certainly, that might have been maybe the pinnacle of sacrifice, but really everything he did was sacrifice. And I thought of his birth, I just for me personally, if I was God in heaven, I don't know if I would want to become a person. And he did. He became a person to come here and be with us, that we could relate with him and identify with him. So I love that. I love the opportunity to really reflect and think. I hope you guys are enjoying that as much as I am. I'm so thankful to uh, everybody that's been participating in this. These guys did such a great job. I mean, you guys did a good job with the candles and all that. The pink candle, that is actually correct, third week pink. Um, for those of you that were thinking that that was just a mistake and that they ran out of purple candles, you need to look up Advent and figure that all out. So um, that's what's happening there. And uh, so we'll continue today. We've been talking about Advent. Uh, I, I shared with you last week, week before, Advent really means arrival or the coming and, and it's uh, during this season of the year we really do. We reflect on the advent, the arrival of Jesus, uh, the birth of Jesus. And, but here's what I was, uh, thought, you know, not only do we reflect on and celebrate the birth of Jesus, we also anticipate and look forward to the return of Jesus, the second advent, the second coming of Christ. Really, to me, this season is about uh, celebrating the truth of God, the truth of who God is, uh, and what God is, God is alive. He's not somebody that just was born and lived a long time ago. God is, God is alive. He's active. He really is what we sing about, Emmanuel. God really is with us. He's with us. He's here today, now. And his heart, his desire, his purpose, everything that he did was so that uh, all of creation, including you and I, could be reconciled uh, to him through his son Jesus. So, th- so that's really the deal. That's what we're here to talk about. Our theme this month during Advent, and I, I think I shared with you before, this is a little devotional. Some of you got books. My apologies for those that didn't get the devotional book. I ordered more, and they're back ordered, so we didn't get them yet. You'll probably get them right after New Year. Uh, perfect timing. Uh, but uh, other vineyard churches around the country, not all of them, but several are doing this as well. It's called Receive the Blessing. And again, I thought it was a good idea for us to we, we think about giving blessing a lot, but think about receiving the blessing. And what, what is the blessing of God in my life? And that's my hope and my prayer for you as we reflect. We talked first week about the blessing of the living water. Uh, the second week we talked about the blessing of the bread of life. Today I want to talk about the blessing of the way to the Father. Jesus is not only uh, living water, bread of life. He really is the way to the Father. So let's pray and then we'll get into that. Father, thanks for this day this opportunity to uh, consider you again. And I I do think of the sacrifice of your birth, that you came to be with us. You came just so that you could identify with us, that we could identify with you, that you would be aware of firsthand all of our thoughts and feelings, all of our struggles, all the challenges we face in this life. You're so good. Your name we pray. Amen. Another familiar text today. 
Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So again, you know, as uh, Christmas is time of remembering Jesus, we remember also that Jesus is the way to the Father. And it's, it's, it's Jesus and it's his presence, his love, his power that opens that door and kind of cuts that path through uh, all the stuff of life. And, and life is full of stuff. Sometimes this time of year, people ask me, you know, how are you? People, how, I, I you know, try to be honest about that. Well, I'm really, really busy. And it's, it's not bad. There's a, all the things we're doing, most of us this time of year, are all good things, but there's just a lot of them. Anybody identify with that? Uh, you ever feel a, a little bit uh, overwhelmed? Uh, not with bad stuff, but just with stuff? So there's a lot of stuff in life. Uh, and the, it's, it's Jesus that kind of cuts that path through some of that stuff and takes us into the presence of God again. That's a big part of, of what he's for. He really is the way, the truth, and the life. He really does bring us into the presence of God. That's what he's about, what he's for. Uh, one of the things I am reminded is that Jesus is the way to experience the Father's love. Uh, I want to just take a second. I'm going uh, to pray for you guys again. I know I already prayed. Let me pray again. I, I want us all to experience Father's love today. So Lord, would you do that? Would you show us your love? Would you remind us again today that not only did you come and love the whole world and die for the whole world, but you did for us, for each one of us, for each person here today, that they would know your love. I pray anybody that's feeling overwhelmed with Christmas, uh, all the stuff, would just feel your love today. In a real way, a tangible way. We would know your love. Empty hearts, Lord. Weary hearts. Come fill your love. a story. It's an old story, but I thought it fit. Some of you are maybe familiar with the name John Newton. Newton was a guy who uh, had a profound experience of God's love. For those of you that don't know, he was um, a person who lived a life of really hardship and pain. And many times in life when someone experiences pain and hardship, our reaction to that is not necessarily the right reaction. Sometimes when we go through pain and hardship in life, we react with anger. Uh, we react uh, with hard-heartedness. And uh, we react with, you know, sin begets sin. And so when we're sinned against, our tendency is to sin back, right? And that was really Newton's story. He was, uh, he was, Newton was born in England, 1700, 1725. His mother died of tuberculosis when he was seven years old. His dad was a sailor, merchant sailor, worked on ships, and put Newton into a uh, boarding school where he stayed for four years until he was 11. And then his dad came back and took him with him. So uh, here, I just was thinking about the influence of sailors on an 11-year-old, okay? They don't say things like, that guy cusses like a sailor, or that guy drinks like a sailor for no reason. Those are real things. Sailors are, are uh, not the most refined people, okay? I'm not... That's not, not being prejudice and judgment there. Let's just say this wasn't a warm, nurturing environment for this young man to be raised in. So for the next several years, he's on these merchant sailing ships as a, you know, and, and I mean that 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, very impressionable time of life, sailing around 
the world with the influence of these sailors. And then at age 17, an interesting thing happened. The British Navy, would it was very common for them to conscript people. They would, uh, it wasn't really the draft, but they would actually take a person captive and make them serve in the British Navy. So he was taken from one ship, put into a British Navy ship, and began to... Uh, uh, serve in that capacity, but he wasn't happy about that, so he uh, deserted, tried to run away from the ship. He was captured, and in front of 350 other uh, servicemen was stripped and flogged uh, with eight dozen lashes. I just 96 times whipped with a whip, naked, in front of 350 people. That'll harden your heart a little bit. Uh, he... Uh, was transferred to another ship that was a slave ship. They were bringing a cargo of human beings from West Africa into Great Britain, and Newton had a falling out. He was, he was an angry guy. He had a falling out with the captain of that ship. So the captain, on their next trip to West Africa, left him there, just left him in Africa in the care of a slave trader who basically made him a... Uh, uh, an indentured servant. He was a slave serving the slave trader to capture other slaves. He was forced into that job. Did that for five years. And finally, uh, his father uh, was worried about him. He's lost. Sent the guy to find him. The guy found him and got him on a ship and was taking him back to England. Finally, a break. Something good happened in this man's life uh, for once. Uh, except on the way back, uh, they, were, they were headed back to England and off the coast of Ireland on March 10, 1748, their ship encountered a storm and it hit a rock and started taking on water, and the ship was sinking. John Newton thought he was going to die, and he remembered as a very young child his mother praying. And so he did the only thing that he could think to do, and he called out to God and asked God to save him. And as he was praying and calling out to God and asking God to save him, the ship pitched, the cargo in the hold shifted and plugged the hole that had taken and just drifted. It, it, they couldn't really steer it. It drifted in to shore, and he was, in fact, saved. When he got back to England, he went to a church, Anglican church. He knelt down and he prayed, and he invited Jesus into his heart and into his life and gave his life to him. And he said... From that, his biography says, from that day forward, he never drank, never gambled, never cussed again. He did continue to sail for a few more years, but as he was continuing sailing, he began to read the Bible and he began to read other uh, Christian literature, and he uh, applied to become an Anglican priest. So John Newton, the slave trader, became an Anglican priest. He later became an abolitionist and spoke out against slavery, tried to stop slavery. And then uh, the way that most of us would have known about him if we knew about him as he also began to write hymns. And he wrote uh, this, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, we have already come. T'was grace that brought us safe this far and grace relieved us on. When you know his story, I mean, that just is so powerful profound, profound experience of the love of God in his life. Um, so w w let me just, I, I think one of the greatest battlegrounds of the human heart is fear. Uh, the enemy uses fear in our lives to,
distract us from God's presence and God's work in us. And so Jesus is not only the way to experience the Father's love, but he's also the way to a fearless heart. Um, another, <laughs> there is no fear in love. For perfect love drives out fear. What, is, what, what do you think that means? What does that mean to us? There is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear. Just before this, John tells us God is love, and now he says there is no fear in love. Um, Part of Jesus leading us into the presence of the Father really is this. It's the ability for Jesus to uh, overtake the fear in our hearts. And uh, Christmas, I think, uh, I I, I love the passage we read this morning, Jordan read this morning. Um, The Christmas story to me is such a reminder that God can calm the fears in our hearts. Uh, A couple of passages I love, I'll just... We read this, but reread it again. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, the descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. Um, do not be afraid, Mary. Mary was, I think, afraid at that moment because an angel was talking to her. Uh, but I think that she, in the, in the years ahead, would have had a lot of things to be afraid of. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember seeing the, the Passion of Christ when it came out. Uh, you know, I, I heard a lot about it, and I was so afraid that I would be a, a wreck in the movie. I actually snuck out and went to see it. Uh, in another town away from where I live, in the middle of the day, in the middle of the week, by myself. And I sat in the very back, highest seat in the theater because I did not want to be a blubbering idiot in front of people. So there's like four people in the theater. It's like Wednesday at noon. And I'm in the back of this theater watching this movie. And it was interesting to me, uh, the whole crucifixion scene, uh, I, I got through that okay. There was one scene, though, that I actually did cry. And it was a scene of Mary looking at Jesus. And I just thought about her life at that moment and the love she had, and that was the most overwhelming thing to me. And I realized over the course of Mary's life, she had a lot to be afraid of. But I think that those words of that angel that day, do not be afraid, resonated in her heart throughout her life. And she knew that no matter what she would go through, God would be there with her in the midst of it all. These guys were afraid too. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. You know what's weird to me? This is, I I don't know. I've had people tell me before they saw an angel. Saw an angel. And they always say it was glorious. It was beautiful. It was radiant. They use all these words. I think that's so weird because in the Bible, everybody that saw an angel was scared to death. I mean, they they were, I don't know what that means. They were terrified. They were afraid when they saw angels. I'm just saying. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Um, You know, uh, that line from Amazing Grace. uh, Grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved. That's an interesting line. I, I realize sometimes the presence of God 
will cause us to see the world and see reality the way it really is. Sometimes I think we live in denial. We just sort of walk through life in a cloud. And when the presence of God comes in, we see it for what it really is. And, and I really do think it can cause us to fear at that moment, but at the same moment, the presence of God will come and cause us to relieve those fears. And I really think that's what Newton was seeing. Life is, life is so difficult, so tough, and he was afraid, but he's afraid that now God's with me, and his fears were relieved. Last person that was afraid, they were, a Christmas story is fearful. It's all, everybody's afraid. Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. After he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, What? Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You will give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Joseph was afraid of the future. He had no idea what he'd gotten himself into. Sweet little woman I'm going to get married to. Now she's pregnant. What's that all about? What does this mean? What was going on? He had to be confused, and he was fearful of what was ahead. But again, the angel says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the future. And, and I really think that God comes to calm the fears of our heart, not only now, but in the future, and ultimately through eternity. He'll be with us. Uh, you know, there's a f- fear of the future can cause, it, it, can, it can incapacitate us to such a degree that it, we, we really just become frozen in life. Uh, sometimes fear of the future will prevent us from being able to move forward in life at all. It can cause, I've seen a, a, a sort of a soul sickness come on people who live in fear like that. And, and, and what really happens at that point is that uh, the enemy robs us of our destiny. And so I think the last thing that Jesus does as the way, the truth, and the life is show us the way to a destined life. Do you know that Every one of us has a destiny in Christ. Did you know that? I, uh, you don't hear it so much anymore. It's kind of an old saying, but you used to hear that so-and-so is destined to do great things. Anybody hear that before? Old people probably. Uh, go old people. Uh, you know, let's say so-and-so, this, that person is destined for greatness. They're destined to do great things. And usually that means that they, they have a certain gift, a certain skill, a certain talent, something about them that sort of emanates that natural greatness. Um, but here's the thing. In Christ, we are all destined for great things. In Jesus, we are all destined for great things. And not because we have a certain talent or a certain skill or a certain ability, not because we're smarter or really, really good-looking. Um, we're destined for great things because God's grace is upon our lives. And he fills us with his presence and walks with us through life. And uh, the undeserved favor of God, the blessing of God, will cause great things to come forth in our lives. It's really true. You know, you think about this English kid whose mother died and who was raised by sailors, and he wrote the most popular hymn ever written in the history of the world. You think about Mary, uh, he, uh, an unwed teenage mother who gave birth to the Son of God and has been honored and remembered ever since then, thousands of years because of that. So what, what is the destiny that God has for you? And what is it that might be preventing you from 
walking out that destiny today. And, and, and when I say great things, I, again, I think sometimes we have a, a limited view of what great things might be. I think there's all sorts of great things out there that God has for us that uh, you may not become famous, you may not be a household name, but God has something great. Sometimes I think we touch the life of one person and it's a great thing and it makes all the difference in the world to that person. And maybe nobody else ever knows. Some of those things happen in secret. But I'll tell you what God knows. God knows and that person knows. And it's a great, it's a great thing. God has a destiny for each and every one of us in him. Why don't we stand? And I want to close in prayer today. If I could get uh, I, somebody. Cindy? Maybe?